Hello again, people. Today's episode is going to be the first chapter of the first Harry Potter book. Well, maybe some of the first chapter. Let's get straight into it. Chapter 1. The Boy Who Lived. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number 4 Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you would expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious, because they just didn't hold to such nonsense. Mr. Dursley was a was the director of a firm called Grannings, which made drills. He was a big beefy man with hardly any neck, although he did have a very large moustache. Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde at a nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which came in very useful as she spent so much of her time creating over the garden feet craning over the garden fences spying on the neighbours. The Dursleys had a small son called Dudley, and in their opinion there was no finer boy anywhere. The Dursleys had everything they wanted, but they also had a secret. And their greatest fear was that somebody would discover it. They didn't think they could bear it if anyone found out about the Potters. Mrs Potter was Mrs Dursley's sister. But they hadn't met for several years. In fact, Mrs. Dursley pretended that she didn't even have a sister because her sister and a good-for-nothing husband were as undursleyish as it was possible to be. The Dursleys shuddered to think what the neighbours would say if the Potters arrived in the street. The Dursleys knew that the Potters had a small son too, but they had never seen him. This boy was another good reason for keeping the Potters away. They didn't want Dudley mixing with a child like that. When Mr. and Mrs. Dursley woke up on the dull grey Tuesday, our story starts. There was nothing about the cloudy sky outside to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon be happening all over the country. Mr. Dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work. And Mrs. Dursley gossiped happily gossiped away happily as she wrestled the screaming Dudley into his high chair. None of them noticed a large tawny owl flutter past the window. At half past eight, Mr. Dursley picked up his briefcase, picked Mrs. Dursley on the cheek and tried to kiss Dudley goodbye, but missed because Dudley was now having a tantrum and throwing a cereal at the walls. Little type chore told Mr. Dursley as he left the house. He got into his car and backed out of number four's drive. It was on the corner of the street that he noticed the first sign of something peculiar. A cat reading a map. For a second, Mr. Dudley didn't realise what he had seen. Then he jerked his head around to look again. There was a tabby cat standing on the corner of Privet Drive, but there wasn't a map in sight. What could he have been thinking of? It must have been a trick of the light. Mr. Dursley blinked and stared at the cat. It stared back. As Mr. Dursley drove around the corner and up the road, he watched his cat. He watched the cat in his mirror. It was now reading the sign that said, Privet Drive. No, looking at the sign. Cats couldn't read maps or signs. Mr. Dursley gave himself a little shake and put the cat out of his mind. As he drove towards the town, he thought of nothing except a large order of drills he was hoping to get that day. But on the edge of town, drills were driven out of his mind by something else. 
He, as he sat in the usual morning traffic jam, he couldn't help noticing that there seemed to be a lot of strangely dressed people about. People in cloaks. Mr. Dursley couldn't bear people who dressed in funny clothes. The get-ups he saw on young people. He supposed this was some stupid new fashion. He drummed his fingers on the steering wheel and his eyes fell on a huddle of these weirdos standing quite close by. They were whispering excitingly together. Mr. Dursley was enraged to see that a couple of them weren't young at all. Why, that man had to be older than he was and wearing an emerald green cloak. The nerve of him. But then it struck Mr. Dursley that it was probably some silly stunt. These people were obviously collecting for something. Yes, that would be it. The traffic moved on, and a few minutes later, Mr. Dursley arrived at the Grunnings car park, his mind back on drills. Mr. Dursley always sat with his back to the window in his office on the ninth floor. If he hadn't, he might have found it harder to concentrate on drills that morning. He didn't see the owls swooping past in broad daylight, though people in the street did. They pointed and gazed open-mouthed open mouth, as owl after owl sped overhead. Most of them had never seen an owl, even at night time. Mr. Dursley, however, had a perfectly normal owl-free morning. He yelled at five different people. He made several important telephone calls and shouted a bit more. He was in a very good mood until lunchtime, when he thought he would stretch his legs and walk across the road to buy himself from the bun, a bun from the baker's opposite. He forgot all about the people in cliques until he passed a group of them next to the bakers. He eyed them angrily as he passed. He didn't know why, but they made him uneasy. This lot were whispering excitedly too, and he couldn't see a single collecting turn. It was on his way back past them, clutching a large donor in a bag, that he caught a few words of what they were saying. The potters. That's, that's right. That's what I heard. Yes, the son, Harry. Mr. Dursley stopped dead. Fear flooded him. He looked back at the whisperers as if he wanted to say something to them, but thought better of it. He dashed back across the road, hurried up to his office, and snapped at his secretary not to disturb him, seizing a telephone and almost finished dialing his home number when he changed his mind. He put the receiver back down and stroked his moustache, thinking. No. He was being stupid. Potter wasn't such an unusual name, and he was sure there were lots of people called Potter, who had a son called Harry. Come to think of it, he wasn't even sure his nephew was called Harry. He'd never seen the boy. It might have been Harvey or Harold. There was no point in worrying Mrs. Dursley. She always got so upset at any mention of her sister. He didn't blame her if he had a sister like that. But all the same, those people in cloaks, he found it a lot harder to concentrate on drills that afternoon. And when he left his building at five o'clock, he was still worried that he walked straight into someone just outside the door. Sorry, he grunted as a tiny old man stumbled and almost fell. It was a few seconds before Mr. Dursley realised that the man was wearing a violet cloak. He didn't seem at all upset at almost being knocked to the ground. On the contrary, his face split into a wide smile. 
and said in a squeaky voice that made passengers passers stare. Don't be sorry, my dear sir, for nothing could upset upset me did I rejoice for you know who has gone at last. Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating this happy, happy day. And the old man hugged Mrs. Dursley around the middle and walked off. Mr. Dursley stood rooted to the spot. He had been hugged by a complete stranger. He also thought he had been called a muggle, whatever that was. He was rattled. He hurried to his car and set off home hoping he was imagining things, which he'd never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. As he pulled into the driveway of number four, the first thing he saw, and it didn't improve his mood, was the tibby cat he'd spotted in the, that morning. It was now sitting on the garden wall. He was sh- sure it was the same one. It had the same marking markings around its eyes. Shoo, said Mr. Dursley loudly. But the cat didn't move. It just gave him a stern look. Was this normal cat behaviour? Mr. Dursley wondered, trying to pull himself together. He let himself into the house. He was trying. He was still determined not to mention anything to his wife. Mrs. Dursley had a nice, normal day. He told him all over dinner that all about Mrs. Next Door's problems with her daughter and how Dudley had knew learnt a new word, shan't. Mr. Dursley tried to act normally. When Dudley had been put to bed, he went on into the living room in time to catch the last report on the evening news. And finally, bird watchers everywhere have reported that the nation's owls have been behaving very unusually today. Although owls normally hunt at night, there and are hardly ever seen in daylight, there have been hundreds of sightings of these birds flying in every direction since sunrise. Experts are unable to explain why owls have suddenly changed their sleeping pattern. The newsreader allowed himself a grin. Most mysterious. And now, over to Jim McGuffin with the weather. Going to be any showers of owls tonight, Jim? Well, Ted, said the weatherman. I don't know about today, but it's not only the owls that have been acting oddly today. Viewers as part as Kent, Yorkshire and Dundee have been phoning in to tell me that instead of rain I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. Perhaps people have been celebrating bonfire night early. It's not until next week, folks, but I can promise a wet night tonight. Mrs. Dursley sat frozen in his armchair, shooting stars all over Britain, owls flying by daylight, mysterious people in cloaks all over the place, and a whisper, a whisper about the potters. Mrs. Dursley came into the living room carrying two cups of tea. It was no good here to say something to her. He cleared his throat nervously. Ugh, Petunia, dear, you haven't heard from your sister lately, have you? As he'd expected, Mrs. Dursley looked shocked and angry. After all, they normally pretended she didn't have a sister. No, she said sharply. Why? Funny stuff on the news, <laughs> Mr. Dursley mumbled. Owl sh- shooting stars and there are a lot of funny looking people in town today. So, snapped Mrs. Dursley. Well, I just thought maybe it was something to do with... 
with, you know, her lot. Mrs. Dursley sipped her tea through pursed lips. Mr. Dursley wondered whether he dared tell her he had heard the name Potter. He decided he didn't dare. Instead, he said as casually as he could, This son, he would be about Dudley's age now, wouldn't he? I suppose so, said Mrs. Dursley stiffly. What's his name again? Howard, isn't it? Harry, nasty common name if you ask me. Oh, oh yes, said Mr. Dursley, his heart sinking horribly. Yes, I quite agree. He didn't say another word on the subject as they went upstairs to bed. While Mrs. Dursley was in the bathroom, Mrs. Mr. Dursley crept into the bedroom crept into the bedroom window and peered down into the front garden. The cat was still there. It was staring down privet drive as it thought it was waiting for something. Was he imagining things? Could all this have anything to do with the potters? If it did, if, if it did, if it got out that they were related to a pair of, well, he didn't think I could bear it. The Dursleys got into bed. Mrs. Dursley fell asleep quickly, but Mr. Dursley lay awake, turning in all over in his mind. His last comforting thought was, before he fell asleep, was that even if the Potters were involved, there was no reason for them to them to come near him and Mrs. Dursley. The Potters knew very well what he and Petunia thought about them and their, and their kind. He couldn't see how he and Petunia could get mixed up mixed up in anything that might be going on. He yawned and turned over. It couldn't affect them. How very wrong he was. Mr. Dursley might have been drifting into an un drifting into an uneasy sleep, but the cat on the wall outside was showing no sign of sleepiness. It was sitting as still as a statue, his eyes fixed unblinkingly on the far corner of Privet Drive. It didn't so much quiver when a cat door slammed when a car door slammed in the next street. Nor when two owls swooped overhead. In fact it was nearly midnight before the cat moved at all. A man peered in the corner. The cat had been watching and okay. A man appeared on the corner the cat had been watching. Been watching. Okay, I'm confused. A man appeared on the corner that the cat had been watching. Appeared so suddenly and silently that you could have thought he had just popped out of the ground. The cat's tail twitched and its eyes narrowed, but nothing nothing like this man had ever been seen in Privet Drive. He was tall, thin, and very old. Judging by the silver of his hair and beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt, he was wearing long robes and a purple cloak, which swept the ground and high-heeled buckled boots. His blue eyes were light, bright, and sparkling behind his half-moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as 
though it had been broken at least twice. The man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realise that he had just arrived in a street where everybody from his name to his boots was unwelcome. He was busy rummaging in his cloak, looking for something, but he didn't seem to realise he was being watched because he looked up suddenly at the cat that was staring at him from the other end of the street. For some reason, the sight of the cat seemed to amuse him. He chuckled and muttered, I should have known. He had found what he was looking for in his inside pocket. It seemed to be a silver cigarette lighter. He flicked it open, held it in the air and clicked it. The nearest street lamp went out and with a little pop, with a little pop, he clicked it again. The next lamp flickered out into darkness. Twelve times he clicked the put-outer until only the lights left in the whole street were two tiny prim picks in the distance, which were the eyes of the cat watching him.